Well, we're on Recession Watch today as Jay Powell accepts a rising risk of economic fragility to put the inflation genie back in the bottle. We're looking at how markets evolves and question when the pivot comes. We're a defining point in the market cycle and we assess this in the trade-off. Well, hello there. I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. And I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be dissecting, we're going to be navigating all the trading views, all the setups, all the market formatics as we do each week. And we try and make sense and what is signal from the noise. I'm going to bring Blake into the show. Blake, mate, we've got quarter end, we've got month end, we've got you know, financial year end. It feels good to pass that baton. I personally sit in the camp that as we go into the into the second half of the year, into the new financial year, um, that yeah, I think we're still going to see a lot of these themes uh, very much prevalent. But I take the view that we've got some more economic hardship in the, in the short term. We talk about it in the program, and then we're going to see a really, really, really nice rally going into September at the moment. So, are we pleased to turn the page here? Are we pleased to get the quarter and the uh, and the financial year out of the way? I think most people are, Chris. And, you know, there's been so many, so many flows coming through at the end of this, you know, quarter, half year, fiscal year end for some of you guys. And I, you know, and even end of the month, there's been so many flows. And I think people are ready to turn the page. But it's been a gnarly first half, hasn't it? <laughs> are you are you a bit old to say gnarly? I mean, is it like a no, is that something that you picked up with your son heart, or bro. something? It's uh, hang loose, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, well, let's chat some of these thematics. And as always, if you want to like the program, we'd love you to do that. Smash the like button, leave a comment. Last week, we got a really a bunch of really good comments. Hopefully, we came back to most of those. Um, but it's always good if you can, if you can give the show a bit of a like, get on your comments and, and dissect uh, and, and sort of come over some of the factors that we're talking about today. Anyway, let's go into the show. Let's go into Topical Thunder. Like, I don't believe that we're Debbie Downers. I don't like to believe that we, we're overly pessimistic. I think as traders, we can be bullish. I think we can bearish. We just, you know, we evolve with the tape. Um, but the, there's no doubt about what's going on right now. The word is recession. We talked about it last week where Jay Powell opened and said that it, it is possible. Uh, we saw him uh, overnight in the session that just been, uh, suggesting that, that um, yeah, they would be willing to accept some economic fragility um, to put the inflation genie back in the bottle, as we talked about there. So his tone is one that's progressively more that we are going to get a recession coming through in the US. If I have a look at the 2's 10 curve, we're about to go inverted again. If we have a look at the rates environment, have a look at euro, dollar or sofa futures, you can see that the market is now at pricing in rate cuts, a quite an aggressive rate cutting cycle for next year. Uh, you can have a look at the way that copper's been trading. Um, you know, all of these factors are suggesting that the market now is saying that, that a recession is probable. Um, the question, of course, is, is do we get two quarters of negative growth, which is that technical recession, or do we something, see something that's far more prolonged, which could see mass layoffs and, and something that gets a bit more ugly? So where do you stand on this argument? I stand that it's probably going to be more prolonged. And you're right. I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, Chris. And you're, But technical recession... Yeah, we're probably already in a recession. And and then, cool. you know, we haven't even talked about employment. Employment's been really sticky. And and I, I would assume that employment's going to start to come off. And how about earnings? I mean, how about when earnings estimates start to come down? I mean, how how's that really going to affect the markets once that happens? So I think 
we we will see a technical recession, but it's going to be more than that. It's going to be a prolonged recession, and um, you know, and the only saving grace that we're going to have, and I hate to say it, is going to be if the Fed decides enough is enough. And but we've been we've been partying for a long time. Chris. No, they are I going think, to uh, they gonna... are going to pivot in my mind, but not yet. We've got a couple. We've got at least two or three months of pain. So what are we looking for? We're seeing liquidity falling. That's bad for markets. You know, you're looking at consumer confidence. That number was pretty woeful this week. Yeah, all the leading indicators to suggest we've got a new ISM manufacturing number on Friday. We're looking for that to still continue to be an expansion. But I think the consensus of 54.5 is probably a bit, bit, bit on the upside there, a bit too lofty. I think it's, you know, the, the last shoe to drop will be employment. So we're going to look at things like the weekly jobless claims. You know, that will manifest into somewhat, you know, we're, we're going to start seeing those non-farm payrolls numbers coming down below 100,000. And, you know, that unemployment rate will gravitate. Remember, the Fed are calling for an unemployment rate to pick up to about 3.9%. So employment is the last shoe to drop. It's, the, it's you know, in the chain of events. You know, it's one of the credit is one of the things to fall first. Obviously, liquidity, you know, is, is, is coming out of the market. So, yeah, I, I agree that we are going to see a recession in the US. I think we're going to see one in Europe. Uh, we'll see one in, in in parts of Asia, including Australia at some stage. But I think that's going to be a positive for equity markets because I think that will cause a, a pivot from the central banks, which we can talk about in terms of the rates pricing later on. Well, you know, that I guess that really want, that's where we should really focus on the next topic, Chris, and we should uh, turn it over to economic data. <laughs> and, you know, data does matter. And I know we've discussed this over the last several months about how economic data was going to matter more as we move forward. But it really now is playing a key role um, because it's going to help us all as traders, economists, uh, you know, forecasters, trying to figure out when the Federal Reserve and other central banks are going to stop hiking and when they're going to possibly shift gears. So every day that we every day that we move ahead, economic data gets more and more important. So I guess the question is to you, and I want to ask you, Chris, what economic data is going to matter the most moving forward? I know everybody's been laser focused on inflation. Everybody's going to look at the PCE numbers and dissect the heck out of them. But, you know, inflation was probably yesterday's topic. What are we looking at now? Is it NFP? Is it uh, the jobs, you know, jobs reports? What, what are you going to be looking at? All of the above, to be honest. I mean, I still think inflation's a big one because the problem is, is you are seeing slowing growth. We get the next GDP print, the Q2 GDP print. I think it's on the, I think it's in late July. And, um, you know, the Atlanta Fed model is suggesting that we're going to we've got about 20 basis points of growth on the quarter. So if that does come negative, we, you could be right. We could be in that we could that technical recession there. I'm not so sure. I think we do get growth in the second quarter and a recession comes later in the year if it's going to come at all. Um, but, yeah, I think next next Friday we've got payrolls um, again. You know, I think the, the market wants to see those job creations perversely coming down below 100,000. The consensus at the moment is for 250. Um, you know, lower job creation would be good for markets, I think, perversely again. I think the ISM uh, manufacturing numbers to this Friday will be quite interesting because obviously that's very correlated to growth and, and, and earnings as well. Um, so I think it's all of the above. You've got... It was all about inflation, but now we've got the growth dynamic that's manifesting as well. So really, um, you've got to see what the market's sensitive to. The next CPI print comes out on the 13th of July, and that's obviously going to be a big one. Um, so it's really, you know, you've got high inflation causing the central banks to continue to push down on that, that rate hiking cycle. But of course, you know, if growth continues to dissipate and fall, 
You know, I think that's going to be the big one. You know, inflation will come down if, if, if growth is going to fall, I think. What do you think? Where, where's, where's the consumer stand in all this? Does, how, how, how much do they matter to this? Well, they, to mu- this they must matter slowdown. because uh, if the Fed are trying to create a negative wealth effect, if they're trying to bring down to demand to be in, in equilibrium with supply, well, we're seeing the... Con- I mean, obviously, you go into the US, 70% of the US economy is, is controlled by the consumer. You know, that demand is falling. Um, and that will yeah. bring down inflation. I mean, it's not going to have anything on commodities um, at this point. But, you know, when commodities are starting to roll over because of demand, then you should see inflation fall on the back of that. So, yeah, I think you are going to see inflation fall. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to cause markets to go down a bit lower in the short term as well. So yeah, it's all of above. But I think growth is, is, a, is a big one at the moment. And I think the markets are saying that we're going to see much lower growth coming forward. So it's an interesting one as well. And the interesting one as well is that let's go into the gold markets because... Yeah, we get a lot of people asking on this show why why we're not why I mean we don't focus enough on gold. I think it's probably because it just doesn't move. It's been <laughs> bloody boring, isn't it? I mean the implied vol- the implied volatility in 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 gold at the moment one one week implied volatility is trading around the sort of the eleventh percentile of the twelve month range. So no one's expecting movement. I'll, I'll give you some some context on that. Over the next week from this point, the market's expecting a twenty seven dollar move in gold up or down, which is, is is very low relative to where we've been. So no one's expecting movement. You know, we've seen real rates moving up. You've seen the dollar stronger, um, but gold's just sort of just trading that that tight range. Um, so yeah, what makes it fire up? Where do we see that life, that that implied volatility pick up, and which way does gold trade? Well, I and I'm I'm going to bring out some technicals a little bit later in the show regarding gold, but I think one thing that's if you're a bull, one of the things that's held back gold has been this insatiable, you know, uh, uh, rally and desire to own the dollar. Yeah. In recent, it's the you know, best hedge. Months. It's the best hedge. In the market, if equities draw down, you buy dollars. Right, and 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 people aren't looking at it as buy dollars and buy gold, at least not yet. So the dollar's really been a, a big headwind for gold, Correct. in my view, and it probably will continue to be that way. And I am a little worried because, you know, Chris, the consensus is that at least the people I talk to and the traders I talk to, the economists I talk to, everybody is very bullish on gold, and that's the consensus. And I'm kind of worried that, Consensus might not be right in this in this case, and and I know that a lot of people that focus on gold really mm. want us to talk about the upside risks in gold, but I don't know if that's really going to be there. Where do you stand on, yeah. on gold? Price? Again, I I think yeah, you right now with the with the dollar working so well, I mean you can go long in gold in in euro terms. So, you know, so the euros. Um, you know, looking to potentially question whether we can get down to that one hundred three fifty level that we got down earlier this year, or earlier this month, should we say? Um, you know, obviously, if you want to buy gold, you do it in the weakest currency or the perceived weakest currency. If you want to short gold, you want to do it in the strongest currency. Um, and then you get your sort of your, your, your double bubble. Um, but, you know, real rates, if you look at tips or inflation adjusted bond yields, you know, they're, they're moving strongly higher. And I think that's been one of the big uh, financial levers the Fed have worked on. And there's just no way that the gold price is going to move up sharply unless we see real rates moving lower. Uh, because the real rates you know, are pushing up the US dollar um, and that's keeping equity suppressed. I do think the Fed pivots at some stage this year. Maybe it's going to be September, but at the moment they're too hell-bent on raising rates. They're too concerned about inflation. But at some stage when that economic fragility kicks in, I think the message from the rates market we can talk about will see the US dollar roll over. It will see um, people buying liquidity and uh, beneficiaries, crypto, gold, 
you know, growth stocks, they're all going to work well. That's going to be for me, but it, may, it might not come for a while. What's good for gold bulls at the moment is it's not going down. And that's the best thing. It's like it's, it's like a cash element, right? So the fact it's yeah. not going down is positive, I guess. I'm going to say, you know, also before we move on to uh, to our next topic, I, I also want to say watch the silver gold ratio and silver yeah. should Silver's be awesome. outperforming. Yeah, it, it silver, silver looks, looks ugly, like right? garbage. Yeah, it's ugly. It's it's near support. It looks like it's going to break down. And if that breaks down, gold's probably going to follow suit. You, right. you want to see silver leading gold, especially if you're a bull. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's let's actually change the topic to China because. You know, where where are we going to have, you know, our, 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 our shelter from the U.S.? I mean, the money's got to go somewhere, right, yeah. Chris? So I want to I ask the question, is China a buy? I mean, China is coming back online. The world needs China and China's economy to really come back and come roaring back. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're, China's actually relaxing their uh, COVID policies somewhat. They're easing uh, international restrictions. Are the supply chains going to come back? You know, you look at stocks like Weibo, Baidu, FXI, the the, the ETF. Yeah. They they are all basing. Actually, the FXI had a little capitulation in March, and we're nearing our highs of 2022. You got, and it's nearing the 200-day moving average. The CN50, which is the CFD that you guys have in Pepperstone. That actually is trading above the 200-day moving average. Yum, China, you know, is, t- is testing the 200 DMA. Do you buy China as a hedge, or is that trade over? What What do you oh, already over? And by the yeah. way, I need to ma- mention one last thing. In June uh, of this year was the best foreign inflows in China for the year this last month. So, w- yeah. what do you think? I, I I wouldn't be buying it now. Um, I do agree that. You know, there's had a really nice run, and rightly so. When you're an international, when you're a, a, a global asset allocator, you're looking around and going, well, you know, China's still got probably the most dovish central bank, um, ex Japan, um, but you know, they've also got pretty low inflation. So you like the fact that you've got a supportive central bank who are easing policy very gradually, but they are easing. So we like that. We like the earnings side of things. We're seeing earnings coming up. Um, we like the fact they've got stability in their currency. Um, we like these factors, which is why China's done very well, but it's done really well. I mean, if you go back to the CN50, the CN50 is the top 50 mainland companies, which are packaged as a futures market on the Singapore exchange. Um, and that's rallied, what, 19% since the 9th of May. So it's had a big move. So I'll be buying pullbacks. It is a hedge. You know, when you're looking at Europe, do you want to be in Europe? Not really. You know, you've got economic fragility. You are going to see a recession at the end of this year. The euro is getting smacked. US, love it but not right now, and it's got a lot of concentration in assets. Um, There's a lot of concentrated money in there. China has been that hedge against, yeah, where do you want to be geographically? China's been the place because of those reasons. So I like China. I think China is a a hedge of some description. The problem is it's just run a little bit too hot right now. I'd be buying pullbacks in there. Um, Would I be short? Probably not. It's a bit aggressive, but, yeah, a 19% rally this, well, since that, that, that point, it's very aggressive. I've been buying pullbacks, but it's an interesting spot. I like, I like China. I'll be buying pullbacks in that market there as well there. So All an right. interesting one there. Anyway, let's go to some of the charts that are, that are on our mind. Let's go to that's a setup. Well, Blake, last week I looked at the Aussie Swiss and that, and, and we thought that was going to go down. It has done. Um, 
The Swiss franc continues to be the play du jour. Now, what we liked about that is that the Swiss bank obviously shocked markets like last week, you know, raising 50 basis points. I think the next central bank meeting from the SNB is actually not till September. So we've got a bit of time to go there, but they'll probably raise another 50 basis points from that. Um, and that will take them into positive territory in terms of their deposit rate there as well. What we also like in Switzerland, for a long period of time, the Swiss National Bank was selling their currency. Um, to try and weaken it effectively. Uh, and we saw that through site deposits, which are the thing that everyone looks at, going up effectively. They were using commercial banks to buy assets there. So what we've now seen is site deposits in Switzerland actually rolling over, they're going down, which means they're buying their currency. Now, it's a change of dynamics that we haven't seen for many, many years. So you've got a situation where the Swiss National Bank are, are buying their currency to support it, but they're also... Um, raising rates and aggressively in that situation there. So this, everyone loves the Swissy at the moment. And it's got that safe haven dynamics from having a massive current account surplus as well. When it comes to double tops, I think none really get more attention than this one here right now. I mean, you and I talk about this one. I mean, we're at the neckline at the moment. It's got massive downside if you believe the double top te technical target there. Does it break, Blake? I, I think it does, Chris, and I think you, you've you been playing it on the right side this last week. It was a great call on the Aussie Swiss, by the way, and uh, you, we joked uh, instead of taking Swiss, you were taking a piss, but, you know, hey, hey whatever. You say tomato, I say tomato. But anyway, the Swiss franc, I, I, this is the first time I've actually been a buyer of Swiss francs. I'm actually long Swiss as well, so I'd be talking my book, which is fine, but uh, the dollar Swiss has a nice downside Take it, I think it takes us close to 91. Yeah. Or maybe even maybe below 91 that on, on That's that the technical top. So. Euro Swiss through the through parity is probably the big one at the moment. It's probably yeah, everyone loves the Swiss at the moment. Swiss best performing currency. We're momentum traders. We're momentum traders. And uh, you know, you where do you get momentum at the moment? Go long Swiss. Well, you know, uh we, we did talk we, I, I talked with Peter Bookvar today, or our, our team did, and he said this is like the first 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 uh uh, uh, signs of the dollar really making and forging a, a, a longer term top, which I thought was interesting. All right, let's go over to gold. And I stole your headline, Chris. Mate, you did. I stole it. You did. What's the gen genius it. borrows? What's the, what's the saying? <laughs> well, this is this is no country for gold men, not for old no country yen. for old yen. I think is what you said before. <laughs> anyway. Uh, look, you know, the, the gold market's been really, really sitting and tightening up in this uh, triangle pattern, which is a consolidative pattern. But I'm really watching this 1805, 1800 level. If that breaks, you'll see that longer term blue trend line. That's the one that I'm really focused on. Mm. And gold, like I said, it's not looking so hot. And I think tomorrow is going to be a big deal. You know, you have the dollar that may move on the PCE data. Mm. If that PCE data is strong, you know, the dollar is going to rip higher. And if we get the continued end of month, end of quarter, end of H1 flows, and, and, and most of the banks are right, and the dollar continues to rally, gold might get pushed below 1800. So mm -hmm. if you're long, get real, be really careful below 1800. Do I think gold's a, a good buy? I do at some point, but respect the charts, respect the consolidation, and respect the potential breakdown. So what do you think here, Chris? Mate, I'm all about respect. <laughs> it's all about respect. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think it's a hard one. I mean, it, it, on the time frame that you've got there, there's no really clear trade. I mean, you could probably go into something a lot more shorter term and, and, and see some opportunities within that. But right there, you know, for things that are moving, for things that are trending, 
Um, for momentum, it's not the gold market right now. So, you know, as a trend follower, as a momentum trader and trading momentum within trends, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not touching gold in that situation. Um, but for people who are, you know, looking for little scalps inside, you know, probably trade the gold market. That said, you know, it is on the radar and I'm looking for opportunities for when this does break out. And we're talking to clients about where, what, what, what could move it. But for now, you know, we're just waiting for something. And I think that has to come from, uh, you know, real rates. If real rates, 10-year real rates push up towards 1% by the end of the year, you know, gold's or, you know, the next couple of months, then gold's going down. Uh, and that would then present itself with a buying opportunity. As I say, I think we're going to see a Fed pivot probably from around October or September or so. And that's when gold rallies. But for now, you're not you're just, just consolidating. It's not really seeing too much. Now, I want to bring up a chart which I think really defines everything at the moment, probably my, one of my most important charts, and that's the rates price. What I've got here is the interest rate markets. There's a tradable interest rate markets. This is the euro dollar futures. Um, I think you can see it on, on trading view if you want to have a look at that. But what I'm looking at is the difference between the December 23, December 22 contract. Basically, how many rate cuts are being priced in for 2023. And you can see there we've got 51 and a half basis points or two rate cuts being, pro one rate cut these days, uh, being priced in for next year. But it's falling fairly precipitously. The story that I'm seeing from the rates market is that the, the, the Fed are going to raise rates probably another 150, 175 basis points and that is going to cause a recession that will make them have to cut rates at some stage next year. And the market with the Fed will talk about that next year. This is defining my global macro thesis at the moment. The rates market showed us that the Fed would have to raise rates aggressively. The Fed told us that we are transitory. Now the rates market is telling us that there's going to have to be aggressive cuts. There is going to be a pivot. That's when we get gold. That's when we get Bitcoin. We get growth stocks rallying. The rates market has to be respected here. They were respected on the way up. This chart for me is the most important chart in macro. Rate cuts are being priced in for next year. Blake, how aggressively are you looking at these kind of factors? I'm not as because I'm not an expert at, like you are in, in rates. But I'll tell you, Chris, uh, queuing off of not just yourself, but other people that I talk to on the daily, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And I think that is going to be a risk. Well, a risk if you're bearish. And I think that could turn the tide. And uh, the question, I, I guess I have to uh, you know, push it back over to you. When do you think that's going to be? I, I know you said a couple of months, but you know, what kind of pain Who knows? are we going to see but, but between now There's going to be a point where there's so much economic fragility, the markets are down, that the Fed will start opening the door. The key will be when bad news becomes good for stocks. At the moment, bad news is causing downside in stocks and, and upside in the dollar. When that changes, because we're something like a, a bullard comes out. But let's just remember one thing. Whether you're looking in Australian rates, European rates, all of these factors, the market was pricing in very aggressive rate hikes early in the cycle. Central banks pushed back on this and said it's not happening. It's all transitory. The rates market led us to show us exactly what we want, wanted to see. Now they're showing us the door of what it looks like next year. We have to believe at some stage it's going to change. I think it'll probably be around September, maybe October time. That's interesting. All right. Well, the next chart I want to bring up, I want to bring up the Kiwi. And uh, the Kiwi looks a little sour here, Chris. And I'm going to, uh, first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm not talking my book. I'm actually going, it's opposite of what I'm, I'm long some Kiwi right now. Even though it's small, I'm not happy about with what I'm seeing. I'm seeing an inverted cup and handle pattern. And that chart was actually brought 
by one of it was brought forward by one of our traders in our community because I was looking at it as a bearish breakdown over the last couple of days out of a triangle, but it really is a cup and handle pattern. And if we really close, we're trading right at 62 cents tomorrow or the end of the week, we close below 62 cents. The risk is the Kiwi might trade down to 60.50. So we, we got maybe another 150 pip drop to complete the inverted cup and handle pattern, but the chart does not look good. We're making lower highs, consistent lows, it's it you could you call it a wedge pattern you can call it a cup and handle inverted and that's the way i'm looking at it right now it does not look good it looks sour kiwi Dude, yeah what do you think chris <laughs> um well look, my boss is a is is a, is a staunch uh, new zealander so i just when I mean, it's coming up to end of year review so I just want him to uh, to be happy at the end of the day. So <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> um, at the end of well, the day, maybe look, he, 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 tra he could travel to New Zealand on the on the cheap, right? He can do. He can do. I just hope he doesn't hold any Kiwi dollars. I hope it's in, in 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 US dollars because I think it breaks to the downside there. Um, uh, my, my thesis at the moment is that real rates are going to move up. That's going to continue pushing the US dollar. I think we're going to see lower equity prices, um, and I think you know that's when we get the turn at some stage. But for now. You know, I still think the risks are, and we don't know anything for certain, but you look at a probability distribution outcome scale, and I think the risks are that we still see the market still dis, dis, um, pricing in a recession, and that means a higher US dollar for now. Uh, and I think this level gives away to the downside. And, and, and again, that you know, the Kiwi's looking vulnerable there. So, yeah, I think this breaks the downside if you were to put a gun against my head. Uh, Blake and uh, I won't ask you to do that, but um, certainly you know I think we break to the downside. Anyway, let's go to player of the day. Let's see what's uh, let's see what's making news. All right, well I'm staying on the Swiss vibe. Um, I like uh, you know the Swiss as we talked about there. This time I think one of the big charts that's been making the round there is Euro Swiss. We've broken through parity. Like the fact that the Swiss the Swiss National Bank are starting to buy. Uh, Swiss francs. Um, you know, I do think they will look at Euro Swiss more than anything else. They don't want the Swiss franc to materially appreciate against the Euro because that's their big trading partner. Uh, but you've got momentum working. You can see it just hugging that lower Bollinger Band. What I'm looking for as well is just how oversold this is going to be. So how far away is it from the 50-day moving average? Not that far. It's not oversold from that perspective. Is the three-day exponential moving average accelerating uh, past the 8-day the moving average? Yes, it is, but it's not got to the point where I'm, I'm seeing that as, as grossly oversold. Um, you know, rate of change is moving to the downside. So I like rate of change from a momentum trading perspective. I like the fact that there is a momentum move into this. Yeah, look, we, we could get a bit of a bounce, but I think that bounce is going to be shallow. And I think that gives you an opportunity uh, to sell into that level as well. So all the signs from a fundamental perspective, uh, from a technical perspective, suggest that, that this time next week, that, that the, uh, you know, we're probably going to be close towards 99 on that. Ooh, gosh, breaking below parity. That's something, Chris. Well, my my play of the day is going to be the crude market. Now I'm gonna be I'm gonna tell you this right now, Chris. I am self-proclaimed probably the worst crude trader, but I'm really <laughs> good at calling I'm good at calling crude. I may not trade it well, but I call it well. So yeah, that's okay. that's gonna benefit you guys, hopefully. Anyway, I'm looking at this failure 
of the crude market. So this is going to be the crude interlude. This is a pause in a long-term rally. I think crude actually rejected the 50% retracement around the 112.50 level. I think we come back down to 101.50, 101.60, down to that support from earlier this month. And if that breaks, we might actually see the 200-day moving average again in the, in the low 90s. But that's the place where you want to play it on the long side. If we are truly range-bound and we're in this interlude in the midst of a long-term crude rally, you probably want to be a buyer down in the 90s, maybe the low 90s if you get lucky. But that's uh, my play of the day right now. And I think while it's trades below 115, you probably look, at, look for it on the short side back to 101 and a half. It's difficult, isn't it, the crude market? There's, uh, demand's obviously dropping off now, but... Uh, you know, they can't really get any more out of the ground either, to be honest. They they, they, they can't increase supply. I think they're at mass, you know, the capacities are there. So, you know, it's difficult for them to raise supply uh, and get the prices down. It's going to be a question of how much demand falls in that situation. Anyway, in a that's... recession, uh, right? Sorry, mate? I was going to say in a recession, if we if we have a recession... Consumer spending might come down quite a bit, and oh, that's that's that what, yeah, that's here. that's the yeah. situation. But we also need gasoline to come down. We need natural gas around the world to come down as well, and that that could bring down inflation to the point where central banks, you know, are, are feeling a little bit better about that situation, and the markets will as well. Anyway, a lot that we've covered through today. Obviously, the recession word uh, is is something that that's a core thematic. We do think that's going to lead to some big changes in financial markets. The question, as always, with trading, is timing that situation. Anyway, that's all from Blake and I. If you like the show, hit, a like, hit the like button, leave a comment. We'll try and re reply back as soon as we can. And we'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off.